Hello everyone and welcome to the Red Voices podcast. Well then, that wasn't bad at all, was it? As starts to the season go, it's hard to imagine how it could have gone any better. Attacking football and four goals to top it all off. Should be a good old chat tonight. Speaking of which, I'm delighted to welcome Greg Johnson, who's joining us on the pod. Greg is the features editor at Squawker and as you all know, very much a Red as well. Greg, great to have you with us, man. How'd you enjoy the game today? Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was very good. I think it kind of ticked all the boxes of, as we probably should talk about uh, a little bit later on, ticked all the boxes of what people were looking for from the new signings, from some of the team's kind of balance and, um, you know, the kind of people wanting Mourinho's football to kind of progress this year. But um, I'm sure we're going to get onto all that in in a a minute. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, mate, it's really good to have you on. So thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, Let's jump right into it. Uh, The first question of the night comes from our friend Shrikant Nima. And he says, first question, that was really good, wasn't it? Question mark. So, <laughs> it's probably no better place to start. Um, mate, it was just a bit of a throwback, wasn't it? It felt like the first time in a long time we saw a team that resembled or was recognisably what we've come to see at Old Trafford over the years. Yeah, and I think it was the, the quality of the, the play and, and the um, the kind of ruthlessness of the attack from open play, which which really made the difference. Because, I mean, United did did a few high-scoring games last season, but that seemed more based on, as we saw, I think, um, was it against Swansea at home? I'm really sorry if I got that wrong. But uh, Daily Blind getting his delivery in and scoring from three set pieces. And people going, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, that's a, you know, a big win. But this had a different character to it. And I think the, um, the thing that really set it apart is you look at the reaction from rival fans and, and other um, Premier League watchers today on Twitter, especially just... People saying, oh, United are back. No, it's, it's probably a bit early for that. It's the first game of the season. <laughs> Just but, a tad. but still, you know, it, 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 it says a lot when you've got people watching a United game from a non-United angle to kind of say things like that and then kind of, you know, think in those ways. Um, people talking about Lukaku giving a fear factor back. Um, yeah, I think considering how how much some of the other big teams in the Premier League struggled this weekend, I think it's, it's the perfect way for United to get their campaign underway, really. Yeah, I remember, like, because as, as you do when the first um first week of the season comes back around, I think I've watched about eight games this weekend, which is great. But um, one of the things that I was kind of pondering, uh, you know, in, especially when you saw the Arsenal game and, and the Liverpool game, is I was like, I, I'm not so sure whether we're necessarily going to end up with a high score and get, you know, in terms of United scoring a lot of goals. But I was fairly confident we weren't going to let that many in. I was like, I don't know what else is going to happen in the game, but you, you can be fairly confident that it's unlikely that a Jose Mourinho team is going to be as open at the back as we as we've seen in a lot of games this weekend. So it was it was interesting. What what were your expectations heading into this game? Um, I mean, I, I thought United would win it. Um, purely that their record at home um, on opening actually their record on opening days of the season is is one of the strongest in the Premier League. So going by the record, going by history, uh, going by the fact that they just signed. Uh, last season's second highest um, top scorer. You know, I kind of assumed they'd get underway. And plus, I think there's been positive signs from pre-season as well. 
Um, whereas West Ham, I think West Ham are probably going to do better than they look like today, uh, just because Salah Birch has got pretty much all the players he wanted to get in this window, and there's talk he might get a couple more as well. Um, but they just they look like a team that weren't quite um, together yet, and I think they're going to need time to to kind of pull themselves into into shape this season. Uh, whereas United, as as the kind of cliche goes, a, a Mourinho team is always better in its second season, and he's, the, the core of this team now is most of the players that he was stuck with last season. So there's an element of continuity, there's an element of um, people, you know, chemistry of, of having played together for for a longer period of time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think what I kind of reflected on when I was watching the game was United looked like a team who had had everybody available for preseason, and and yeah, they very much looked like this. It wasn't. We didn't have that kind of messiness that you that I guess we've become kind of accustomed to over the last couple of years, where it felt like on day one of the new season we were still really getting to grips with an entirely new setup. I mean, I know we've had we had Van Hal two seasons in a row, but it, you never really got the feeling that he quite even even at the point where he departed the club where he had quite implemented the ideas that he wanted whereas I think any questions I had going into today were probably based around squad depth and and certain weaknesses in certain areas in terms of personnel so much as any any kind of queries around you know what we could expect from a Mourinho team you know it was very yeah, I was, I was, I was certain that we weren't going to see anything too surprising. Although, to be fair, I'm not sure I would have told you that we were going to win four nil as well. Um, so yeah, just talking about the game itself, first twenty minutes or so was very, very kind of compact, wasn't it? It was a, I mean, West Ham set up with their four three three, I believe, and and there was a wasn't really very much space in the centre of the park and, and when you're playing without any real kind of natural wingers as United were sometimes you find it's just all very muddy and a lot of heavy traffic in the centre of the park especially when United had as much of the ball as they did what 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 did you kind of make of that? I think it's kind of how I expected it to be really um, West Ham have got um, I mean they might not have looked like as I said like a team yet but they've got some handy players in the middle um, and as we saw last season, Mourinho like quite likes to keep things compact, even against the smaller teams. But um, I think I, I, again, something might come on to a bit more. Um, I think the the influence of Matic really began to show in the game, and as it opened up, um, kind of yeah. Um, as, as anyone that follows me on Twitter might know, I have been a bit doubtful of um, how how good Matic could be in that kind of holding Carrick role, everyone to call it. Um, and I was a little bit pessimistic about him being brought in. As the player to complete this Man United midfield, but um, egg on my face, I've been I've been showing the error of my ways. He looks exactly like what the team was missing, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was quite interesting. I I did still see a couple of tweets floating around today from uh, from Chelsea fans saying, "Don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but let's see if he's still got those legs by December." And I was like, "Okay, well, we'll just take it one day at a time." Um, we'll we'll, we'll come on to Matic in, in just a second, but um, out of nowhere, we took the lead, and it was. Yeah, so Matic, that man, makes that interception in the centre of the park, breaks to Rashford, and and I think it's probably the most competent break we'd seen in quite some time from United. And I, and I guess that speaks to um, the difference having a mobile target man like Lukaku makes, right? You know, um, whereas Zlatan Ibrahimovic, whilst was whilst he was an incredibly accomplished centre forward, he didn't by any means have any of the movement that Lukaku has, or certainly not to the same level in terms of direct running and pace. So my my, my observation when seeing our first couple of counter-attacks, our first kind of attacks on the break was, my gosh, we look so much more 
athletic. We looked so much more um, assertive. We, it, it just it just felt like we were attacking at pace quicker than we had for quite some time. And then you had, um, you know, Rashford breaking and cutting a lovely little pass into Lukaku, and Lukaku makes no mistake. Uh, what did you make of his first goal? Um, I think it, it, I've, I've always said of Lukaku, people misunderstand the kind of player he is because of his size. Um, and because of those like past Drogba um, comparisons and stuff, people think he's a target man. Think, people think he's like this uh, this big lump to stick up front and and hit balls to. But he's not. He's basically like a giant poacher. He's basically a, a giant version of Chicharito to some extent. If you if you really want to go that far, um, <laughs> and it's, that's exactly what he's about. He just you know it's it quite a cute finish. I thought the way that he kind of hit it through, and it's almost like you, you saw some of those near misses in preseason. Maybe this is the he was getting his eye in for these kind of goals because it kind of hit hit the inside of the post and pinged in. And I bet there might have been a few kind of gasps in the stadium. I'll admit I was watching it from a screen elsewhere, um, wondering whether it was going to go either side of the post. But he, he definitely didn't make a mistake on it. And, and I, I, I love shots that go in off the post. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's the same as a bit when he goes in off the crossbar as well, which is um, one that everyone always enjoys. But um, yeah, I think it's great. He's, he's got his account open. And, you know, later on, he added another with his header from the from the set piece. So, yeah. Positive signs all around. I've been a big Lukaku fan for a long, long, long time. Um, and I think he's exactly the kind of a no-nonsense goal scorer, but as you say, a more mobile presence up front that United need. And I, I completely agree with you on, on the whole counter-attack thing. Um, I mean, these things are never certain, but just I wonder if the team, knowing they've got a guy they can rely on to run as well and go with the team and be more fluid and just drop into spaces, gives them more of a, a confidence, a certainty that they can just make the most of these chances on the break rather than having to think how they're kind of going to accommodate a slower, more static presence like Ibrahimovic. You, to be fair to him, he, he was useful. He did try his best to, to bring other players in last season, but I just kind of think at some point, especially when United were trying to play really fast on the break, he became a bit of a middleman. Um, and I think you can see this year that take that middleman out and have a more rapid presence up front. And this this team with with passes like Matic, sorry Matic, uh, Mata, Mkhitaryan, even Rashford as well, his, his deliveries cut inside were really good. And Pogba as well, of course. Um, just having that that movement and speed up front, it just unleashes the true potential of, of the creators in in midfield, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a, a point quite early on in the game where he. Came came kind of deep for the ball for, I would say, one of the first times in the game and kind of knocked it out to the touchline and then kicked it ahead and, and raced it right down to to almost to the byline and, and won a corner, I think. And and it was, it kind of got, it woke Old Trafford up, didn't it? The whole stadium kind of came alive and, and I think we kind of realised then this is the kind of forward we have in our hands now. My, my my immediate reaction was that wouldn't happen last year. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think there's been a lot said about Lukaku. Poor first touch, all the rest of it. But I I, I think he's an um, absolutely brilliant, a very classic traditional number nine, and I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's been a massive hit um, with with United and United fans, I think. And I mean, the, the kind of player he reminds me of is. It's like a modern take on the kind of 90 strikers that I'm sure we all love. The guys that could score goals from every angle, anywhere in the box. They could improvise a shot. They could do everything. They had the physical presence to, to kind of attack their defenders as, so they weren't bullied as well. Um, I think I think he's he might not be the complete footballer, but in many ways he's a kind of complete goal scorer. And I think he's going to be great for United. Yeah, and and we in in theory anyway, on paper we have many other players around him that are more rounded as footballers and they can do the clever passes and they can do the more skillful, intricate play. And, and really, if the only thing he does this season is 
do a lot of running that opens up spaces for our more creative players and, you know, creates space and puts the ball in the back of the net. You know, that's going to be a heck of a contribution. As an interesting side note, actually, do you think... I mean, I think the, the majority kind of reaction when it kind of turned up out of nowhere that we were about to sign Lukaku, I think the majority reaction was, was quite positive. But do you think that there's a, te- a tendency maybe to underrate him because he's familiar as opposed to, um, you know, like a, a f- an exotic, lesser-known quantity, say like a, a Bellotti from Torino, or even when Morato was being linked. Because it, it's one of those things, when, when per, on a personal level, I, I never thought we'd be in for Lukaku, so I didn't consider him, but do you think that his reputation is a little bit harmed by over-familiarity? Do you think people are over overly critical of him? Or do you think that's had an effect at all? Uh, I think maybe. I think there's there's also enough people that rated Lukaku ahead of other targets because he was so familiar, because they knew what he was about, because they knew he'd done it in the Premier League as well. Um, I think that the bigger thing for Lukaku was this idea of him being a Chelsea flop or something like that. I think that's that was the, the, the more... To me, that's what I saw people jump into is the more negative like first-hand reaction to him coming to United. Um you know, just this idea that oh, he hasn't done it at a big club. He's only done it at Everton, all the rest of it, and he didn't. He didn't convince Mourinho as well at Chelsea. There's there an idea of, of that, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I mean, this the whole idea of the football hipster and all the rest of it. I'm sure, there were definitely some fans that were upset. He wasn't from like the Polish third division or something like that. But <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I'll be honest. I think it was more the other way. I think fans knew what he was about. They'd seen the amount of Premier League goals he scored and, you know, I think that that, that is what they, they knew he was going to bring to the team, really. Yeah, I think uh, Daniel Story has slowly convinced me over the last couple of years just how incredible um, Lukaku is. So when <laughs> when the uh, when the time came that it got announced that we were in for him, uh, I was more than happy. It was interesting, though, because I had become quite invested in the idea of signing Morata, who I think will be a very good player for Chelsea. Um, so, yeah, just back to the game then. Uh, his second goal, just I think that's probably something you would hope that we'd see a lot of this year, which is an increased threat from um, set pieces. Um, it, it's interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it from a tactical point of view a little bit later, but it's interesting just how much physically this is starting to look like a, a Jose Mourinho team now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, physicality in football is, is something that I think is overlooked and uh, like underrated as well. Some people kind of seem, seem to think that like athletic players and, and kind of powerful football is, is almost like unfair or it's immoral or it's against some kind of like better way of playing. But I think that's a load of rubbish, really. Um, it's always a part of, of the top teams. Even Barcelona, when they were at their peak under Pep Guardiola, those players could cover ground like nothing when they had to press the ball in the, like, the first like few metres ahead of them. Um, so I think this idea of kind, of kind of trying to ignore the physical side of football and take it out of the game is, is a bit flawed and, and very misguided. Um, not to say that I, I wouldn't prefer watching a team that's a nice blend of everything, but I think with the players United have got, you'd hope that's what they could produce as well. Um, and I, I, I think, I mean, you look at what happened, I just wasn't, isn't United, but I was, I was covering Liverpool and uh, Watford at Vicarage Road this, this weekend, and Watford just, just walked through Liverpool for the first half, especially, like, uh, players like, um, Wijnaldum and, and, um, and, and Mane were just basically being bouncing off guys like Shalabar. And that's not unfair. That's part of the game. You've got to have players that can stand up to pressure. And as United showed in the Europa League final as well against Ajax, having the, the strength to hold players off is it's a valid part of the game, even though some people might complain and moaned about it. Um, 
So you, but I think you've got to ally that with with the right tactical approach. You've got to ally that with the right technical skills. Um, and as you talked earlier about speed as well, I, I think the best teams kind of have everything to varying different degrees. Um, but there's nothing wrong with with being able to like kind of not only stand up to pressure but apply some of your own as well. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you look at Real Madrid and, uh, you know, the first team to retain the Champions League and, and in terms of pure footballers, they've probably got the best midfield in world football at the moment in, in Tony Kroos and, and Luka Modric. And, uh, but in terms of athleticism, they, they're never found wanting either, are they? You know, they've got a physical presence as well. I think in many ways people were probably... Um, perhaps a little overly influenced by the likes of, of Pep Guardiola's team and, and a lot of the noises that Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger makes as well, just uh, the kind of de-physicalisation of the game. But, I mean, you're never going to get that from Mourinho team anyway. Um, I remember when Mourinho first took over, I was really, really interested, interested to see how he would make the team his own. You know, and I, and I, I, in my mind, it was always going to be quite the transformation. And I know a good few players have come in, but it's... It's also been quite a subtle transformation as well. But the team at the moment is recognisably uh, Jose Mourinho. Um, okay, so moving on to the second half, it really kind of opened up a bit, didn't it? I think West Ham made a couple of changes, which kind of opened the game up a little bit more. I mean, if they wanted anything from it, they needed to attack a little more. And then it just seemed for the last 35, 40 minutes of the game, we were just attacking constantly, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think it was um, it was great to see Mkhitaryan getting involved with the assists as well, because um, I think he's been looking really sharp in pre-season. Um, so just see, seeing him being kind of given <laughs> given the chance to run at players and pick things apart and be in the right place, um, I think that's the player that a lot of United fans were expecting to see um, after he arrived last summer. And obviously, we saw all the palaver of of his kind of belated introduction to the side proper. Um, but I'm expecting I'm expecting big things from him and and Rashford, who I thought was fantastic all game really um, and not just I mean a lot of people say oh he's wasted on the wing and all the rest of it but I, I, to some extent I think it, it, it's a good kind of apprenticeship for him to complete really and we're already seeing signs of him kind of rounding out his game even more like some, some of the, the passes he was putting into the box um, for other players and the little feints and you know just the awareness of where people were and, and be able to find them I thought I thought that was fantastic and, and that's the kind of thing we were talking about earlier that the counter-attacks and all the rest of it that's that's what's going to make United as dangerous as it should be. Yeah, it it is really quite interesting. Uh, we we talked a little earlier about um the additional space that the movement of of Lukaku create. I think Mkhitaryan's probably going to be one of the main benefactors of that if he's given that central role, isn't he? I remember something you wrote a couple of a couple of years back. It must be at this point about how Juan Mata was no longer the kind of creator that he um had been at Chelsea and now was more the kind of player that got on the end of chances than um the player that was creating them. And it's been an interesting uh transition for him, and and it's quite going to be quite interesting to see where Juan Mata ends up next or what the next part of his journey at United looks like but for me Mkhitaryan as a number 10 is is the obvious option for United because he he appears to offer much of what Juan Mata would offer anyway uh, with increased mobility and probably a bit more vision as well would would you what what would your take on that kind of situation be yeah, I completely agree. I, I think uh, Mkhitaryan is more explosive. I think that's a big thing. He's a better dribbler, I'd say. You can go either way with the ball from the middle. You can either take it wide or go go in, go through the centre. Um, I think he's 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 just a bit more. Um, I think he's a better improviser as well in sh- in short spaces. I think Matt is probably actually a tidier player, probably better at keeping the ball. But I've, I've I mean, I, this this has got me into some trouble with some people sometimes. But I'm I'm st- I've I've never really seen. 
how Mata fits into a lot of the teams has been played into at United. And I think that's why he changed into more of this kind of clever wide player that steps in to kind of poach goals uh, under Van Hall. Because, I mean, when we got to remember when Moy signed him, he just signed Fellaini. And so you're thinking, yeah. if you just signed Fellaini, and then you're going to sign a diminutive Spanish play, like playmaker who's, what, going to chip the ball into his head all the time? I don't really get this. Um, he did some nice link-up play with, with Yanazai and, and Kagawa, though. But um, I just... I think since then, the, the way the team's gone, I've seen less less how Mata um, can make the team his own. And he's one of those players, I think, at his best. There was always these, these calls for playing at the 10, playing him in the hole. But I, as we talked about United playing with more speed on the break, you want a player that's going to release the ball quicker, not one that's going to be more methodical and kind of pass it around and kind of probe the final third. Um, so I, I, I still think he's better out on the right, tucking inside to let Valencia bomb on down the flank. And then you've got this more kind of um, kind of clever presence kind of in the half space or whatever you want to call it um, but yeah in, in the middle I just think Mkhitaryan is just such a more kind of he's got more flair I think that, that's that's partly what it is he can just he can pull off the unexpected and, and do things that nobody else can on the pitch um, whereas Matt he's it's not slow and steady I mean I don't, I don't want to damn the guy with faint praise or anything like that I think he's a fantastic footballer incredibly intelligent on the ball um, very neat and tidy but I just think for this kind of explosiveness you want from United, I've never been convinced he's the guy to kind of release those balls quickly or or kind of ramp up the the intensity of the game. He's more of a person that's going to kind of, as I say, be methodical, tip and tap it around it, which is fantastic. But I just I've never really seen how he's a United number ten. I mean that's that's kind of how I'd say it. Yeah, I think when he first came along, he was a, he was a desperate attempt to try and salvage some sort of reputation of United as a force in the transfer market and, and, a, and a desperate attempt to try and salvage some of what was happening in Moyes' first campaign, wasn't he? It, it was it was Ed Woodward kind of saying, oh gosh, I need to sign somebody and then the opportunity becoming available to sign somebody that was a recognisable star. But yeah, for me as well, I think in the Van Hal and Moyes years, it, it was very much, a, I, I don't see how we can accommodate this kind of player. I, I don't think the team is good enough for the type of role that he needs to play because in, in many ways he is only as good as the players around him if he's in the 10. You know, if you're giving him that creative role, he he needs a lot of movement around him and, and that was kind of happening around the time that we were relying on an, an ageing Wayne Rooney and, and an ageing Van Persie. Um, so the mobility issue was was probably going to be a thing for him and and I kind of myself and you and have talked about it a lot on the pod here but I've always thought that I, I could never see how Mata would have a place in a successful Manchester United team I felt yeah. like whilst we were in transition he was almost too good for us at times but I felt like the team would improve past him and I, and I think that's what's starting to happen um, for for all the reasons you've said um, I, I, I view him now as a, as a goal scoring midfielder rather than a playmaker as such I think his his intelligence of, of of where to be, how to play the ball, and all the rest of it translates to the when it, when he when you goes for it, just his presence in the box. He's he's almost a bit like how Thomas Muller has been described in, in the way that he can just pop up in places people don't expect him to be. He can see he can see gaps appear and he can fill them. And then he's also good enough to actually put chances away. Um, yeah, and going back to what I said earlier about Zatan being this man, this middleman that kind of was an extra step in the process of creating a counter attack that you don't need. I, I think unfortunately that's what Mata can be because he likes to dwell on the ball a bit too much sometimes. Whereas if you want this attack to fly forward, you want a player like Mkhitaryan who's going to drag it forward, who's going to do something clever or, or ping it through. Um, I just think that suddenness is what Mata lacks. And it, it's a credit to him because it, it doesn't suit his game. But I just don't think United are ever going to use him in the way that perhaps he was signed to intent, originally be used. 
Yeah, you see a lot of lateral movement across the the kind of final third from him, don't you? He picks it up on his on his on the right hand side on his left foot, and he'll he'll kind of bring it round a couple of players and and then pass it laterally out to whoever's on the left, or or maybe pass it back. So, it, but you know, definitely a good problem to have thinking about. Well, this guy can only be a backup, um, and I think Mourinho will find the right kind of games to use him in, um. So just to talk about the rest of the game itself, um, as you said, Rashford had a, a fantastic game out on the left, and and for me, as I've probably been guilty of the whole why is Rashford out on the left, and and it's something that I'm coming round to, but it's it's been less of an issue with the notion of of Rashford on the left itself, more the notion that I felt that Martial had a higher ceiling, and I still do, and and I didn't understand why you would block Martial's progress put a lot of games under the belt of your only backup striker yeah I just uh, but when when Martial came on today he uh he had a pretty pretty formidable answer for Mourinho didn't he in terms of that it was a very well taken goal yeah absolutely I, I mean I thought that the reactions of the rest of the team was ve- was very interesting as well um literally the entire team kind of um, surrounded him and looked absolutely delighted that he scored, almost as if, like, fi- finally, we can play with this guy more often. You know what I mean? He's yeah. he's, he's an absolutely incredible talent. Um, and uh, in, interestingly, he does something different to Rashford as well. Cause I'm, I'm, I agree with you to the extent that I'm not, I'm not convinced by Rashford as a winger. He, his crossing can, can be good, but he's best when... Uh, how I see it, anyway, is when he plays wide at the moment with Lukaku, when the United actually have the ball, he ends up almost just being a, a, a strike partner anyway, because he runs in such a way that he ends up in the box, either alongside Lukaku or something like that. He's not really a winger. Whereas Martial can... OK, he cuts in as well, but he kind of starts out wide and he brings the ball in. He can beat players even better than Rashford can. And there's just like a slickness there, a composure, or just a, you know, whatever you want to call it. The, the guy is absolutely electric when he's when he's at it. But even after he scored that goal, there was no smile. His face was, you know... His face was what it was, and I—I I, I mean, I'm—I'm not on the training ground every day at Man United. I don't have those kind of sources, but I wonder if just he just people read his body language wrong. He's—he might not be the most cheerful man in the world. Who cares? He's—he's he's an ice cold finisher, and if he's just not the most vocal, not the most you know enthusiastic presence, so what? He's a fantastic footballer, um, and I mean his teammates seem to like him, so there's no problems there. Um, just get on with it and play him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Paul Ansors wrote a really nice piece for you, Max, a couple of weeks back where he talked about Anthony Martial would not be a better player if he smiled more. And it was kind of a, a call for us all to stop obsessing so much about his body language. We're back to, um, well, why isn't Louis van Gaal jumping on the um, the touchline? It makes absolutely <laughs> no difference. Yeah, no, no difference true. whatsoever. It's, it, the, the problem is, I mean, football is an emotional game. We're all emotional fans and all the rest of it. But we end up getting obsessed with things that mean absolutely nothing. We yeah, really no, do. Like, just it's true. Jumping up and down on the touchline isn't going to make the team any better. Anthony Martial running around like he's just like I, I don't know, like doing a load of laughing gas isn't going to make the team any better. Just you know, just just trusting players' talent, ability, organise them right, get the tactics right, and then you know they might actually do some good football. Well, similar to your observation on Mkhitaryan, for me, Martial looks like somebody who is determined this year. I mean, don't get me wrong, he had a very long summer last year, along with all the kind of personal problems and stuff that had been surfacing. You know, not a great tournament for France, didn't really get used that well. He just had a heck of a season for United, uh, played pretty much the whole way through, and then was gone. went from a 
a manager like Van Hal who who pretty much gave him a pass at you know to the exception of everybody else uh, with any kind of defensive responsibilities at all and and very much started him as a wide forward with a free rein to attack as he pleased and and then you come back from a difficult summer you're tired your personal life isn't great and you are met with somebody like Mourinho who in terms of what he asks of his wingers or his wide players in terms of not just in terms of the difference in tactical shape and the difference of instruction, but in terms of work rate, what he expects from his players. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if one of the reasons for Martial's mixed form last year and, and maybe Mourinho's lack of faith in him is a combination of maybe his head not being really in the right place because of everything that's going on and not particularly kind of standing up to the psychological scrutiny that a manager like Mourinho, who who creates strong play from, from this place of, of siege mentality, it wouldn't surprise me if he just didn't quite know how to react to it or was just not quite showing Mourinho what he wanted last year but I mean again I'm not on the training ground and all the rest of it but I do wonder if the game's moved on a little bit I know people have been saying oh Mourinho's (laughs) but bear bear with me on this one just the idea that you know you have to create this like siege mentality and create this like um, this atmosphere where everyone's on edge everyone's like you know aggressive and combative and stuff I think a lot of the younger players coming through especially coming through a much more professional academy system these days um Literally, just they 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 kind of see it and they roll their eyes and just think, I'm I'm here to play football. I want to just work hard. I want to become a better player. I want to play games. I want to do my job. I think we saw that with Kevin De Bruyne under Mourinho. I think he he, he took it upon himself to leave Chelsea and go and play in the Bundesliga and basically be like, I'm I'm I don't want I'm I'm fed up with the circus basically. And I think we can say that Martial didn't stand up to the scrutiny of the first year, but if I was in his shoes, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think I I feel like I've been having games played with me so. He wasn't told he was having the um, his shirt taken off him. And OK, some fans might roll their eyes and say, oh, that's, that's a petty thing. But, I mean, th- these things matter to footballers. They're branding matters. I mean, he must have spent a fair bit of money on, on these on these on um, this website and all the rest that he was building. For the club not to t- even give him the courtesy of saying they're going to do that and then kind of push him out to the side and bring other players in. I mean, I can understand that. I can kind of give the wrong impression, at least. Do you know what I mean? It just set things sets things off on the wrong foot. Um, and then the comments in the press from Mourinho, I mean... Some some fans some fans think it's okay to do that. I, I'm I'm still not sure if it's it's always the wisest thing to do to criticise your players in the press, especially in that manner when they haven't really done that much wrong. Um, I don't know. I just I, I just I'm, I'm a bit suspicious of the, of the whole idea that you need to get into this this weird kind of uh, macho um, kind of approach when footballers these days are all adults. They've all been through the academy system. They're all you know they're all professionals. Just get on with it. I think it's like I said earlier. Just just get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, historically, I think. Um, Mourinho is somebody who who has been known to create conflict, even where there was none, for the sake of of trying to develop. Mm. And it, it, it's I, I as guess. much of a strength as it it's as much of a strength as it is a weakness, though. I mean, it didn't work at Real Madrid. All the players saw right through it and ended up thinking he was just off on one, basically. Um, and okay, Real Madrid's a special case, but we saw it at Chelsea as well. Um, and yeah, Mourinho's got to be careful. I mean, he's he's obviously a very talented manager, and if he gets it right, he could stay at United for as long as he wants. I think. But at the same time, if he if he doesn't just kind of realise his own flaws, which he does have them, then that's that's going to be an issue. And there there is a kind of there's a time limit and a, and a kind of a you know a shelf life to his management at other clubs. Um, and if he doesn't kind of think of how to be a more sustainable yet successful presence in the dressing room, he's going he's going to come a cropper even at United, I think, because there's an element that you get players so far, and then you have to adapt. I mean, Ferguson was obviously very 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 good at this. Um, and Mourinho so far it seems to be able to get players to a certain level, 
kind of overclocking and demanding 110% every week, and then they burn out. And then his response so far has been to say, well, buy me a new team. Well, that's that's not sensible, is it? That's not a, a good way to go about it. So I think I think that's what that's the challenge, not just this season, but in the seasons to come. That's the challenge Mourinho's got to kind of pass at United. And I don't mean to sound negative because I actually think he will because he's you know he's he's had enough disappointments the last few years um, to kind of realise that there must be a difference in approach. But you know, I think maybe changing his tack on Mkhitaryan and Martial um, and seeing how he uses Luke Shaw this season that could be kind of telling of, of how he might adapt at United. Yeah, absolutely. And and you kind of hope that there would be some lessons learned, don't you? And, and don't get me wrong, like he's brought success where wherever he's been, but it's usually followed by some degree of burning it all down a year or two later. Um, And you kind of, you hope that he is learning a little bit from it because you kind of look at him and say, okay, if, if he does draw a line under at United and do his usual thing of two, three years and then done, where's he going to go next? Where, in terms of, I mean, he could, a guy like Mourinho will always have a job in football, but in terms of ambition, in terms of being at the top of the game, where where is he going to go next? I mean, he's 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 done Real Madrid, he's you know he's done Chelsea, he's done um, Inter, he's done Porto, he's like he's not going to get the Barcelona job, he, is he ever? <laughs> and and it's unlikely that he'll end up at another Premier League team. So you, maybe maybe Paris Saint Germain at some point, but. I, I've always, and, and it's probably red-tinted specs a little bit, but I, I've always had a feeling that this was the job that, because of his respect for Ferguson, that he would always would have liked to have had the Man United job at some point. And, and there was all that kind of stuff, which you kind of have to scrutinise and say, how true is it? That was floating around around the time when we hired Moyes. But I don't know. I'd like to believe that he will settle into this job a little bit more. And, and I agree with you in saying that if if he can sort some of that out, um, then he he can be at United as long as he wants. For me, I would like to see him start to get better performances and treat the introverted players at the club better. So that is your Martial's, that is your Mkhitaryan's, that is um, your Luke Shaw's. You know, it's it's actually not just about setting an unreasonably high standard and offering the stick and never the carrot and and just saying. Uh, the either. thing is, I would say though, it, it it's not such about so much about standards because I think it's just more about this like. Uh, being flexible with different personality types. I think that is something he has struggled with yeah. Yeah, um, that's fair. previously. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having uh, reserved or quiet players. I mean, you look at... Um, I mean, United have had quite a few that were were pretty damn good, despite, you know, maybe not being the most outgoing members of the squad at first. I mean, you look at guys like Parker, by all accounts, he took a while to kind of settle in. I think Solskjaer was similar as well. So there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with... Um, they're not weak. They're not, you know, whatever the rest you want to call it. They're just, they're just a different personality type. And by demanding these kind of like egotistical warriors that are going to do the rest of it, that's great. But you know, you, you've got, you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be able to grow with the squad. You've got to deal with different situations. And like I said, I'm not saying Mourinho is going to fail. I'm just saying that there's, there's, there's things he needs to be aware of in his own flaws that he has to make sure don't come up, become a problem again, basically. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the obvious person to talk about when we're talking about this is Martial, and, and my observation would be, even if it, it even if it led to an ultimately very successful United side, it would be a shame for Antonio Anthony Martial's Manchester United career to die on the altar of Mourinho, only lagging a certain type of mm. player. If that yeah, absolutely. If, if, even if he doesn't kick on this year. Um, I don't think there should be any cheer or applause from people that want to kind of make it into a Mourinho versus certain players thing, which I think is ridiculous, by the way. This idea that some fans of football clubs, and I'm not, not blaming United fans now, 
it happened at Chelsea, it happens elsewhere, where certain fans become like a fan of the manager rather than a fan of the club or support of the team or anything. They create like an us against them thing, bizarrely within the team, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't. If, if let's say Martial doesn't doesn't do what um, he's expected to do this year, I don't think there should be applause over it because that's a shame. But it doesn't mean he's not going to go and succeed elsewhere. It's not a failure of him as a footballer. Um, I just yeah, that's just a pet hate of mine anyway. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Um, apologies to uh, Chris McGuffin, who sent in some questions about uh, Rashford and Martial and how they're going to get used and, and the left wing, which we've just kind of covered naturally. But um, thank you for sending in those questions, Chris. Um, in- interesting, as we're kind of talking about Martial and Rashford, what do you put Mourinho's pursuit of a left winger down to? Um, I guess Perisic is, is the obvious one to discuss. I mean, he, he offers something obviously completely different to Martial or Rashford, but you kind of look at today and say, those are two very good options we have on the left wing. So so do you think somebody like Perisic will come in? And, and can you explain from a tactical point of view why, why someone like that would be needed in Mourinho's mind? I don't I don't know if he'll come in. Um, I, I, by the sounds of it, Inter's demands are too high to what United want to pay for it. Um, but, I mean, I can see why he'd want to play like that. Uh, as good as Martial and Rashford are what they do, they're not the kind of player, they can't offer the kind of service down the left that Antonio Valencia can offer down the right, bombing on from fullback. Um, and OK, they were very good against West Ham, but West Ham looked like a team that, you know, weren't fully up to speed yet. Um, they're certainly not a team that any United fan will probably pick as rivals in the top six. Um, and I think it's, you know, we, we saw it against uh, teams like Liverpool last season, um when Pogba pulled that pass out of nowhere to find Zlatan and Zlatan didn't put it away. Um, it's, it's that kind of those more kind of um, blunt moments of just, just of almost like trauma of delivery that Mourinho's probably thinking for the big games. If I just have a traditional winger that can get behind the defence and just sling a cross in, that's, that's a, you know, it's a much more, almost like a basic weapon in football, but it's one that's when, when done well, it's very hard to defend against. And just having that kind of variety to bring into the team and freshen things up and tweak it depending on an opponent, depending on match, I think that's what Mourinho is looking for. He's looking to just kind of make sure he's got the complete set so he can do pretty much anything depending on who he's facing in the Champions League, in the Premier League, etc., etc. And as I say, they, they've kind of got that down the right in Antonio Valencia because as Mata or whoever else is playing there tucks in, he just bombs on down the right and he's a very, very good crosser, probably the best crosser in the squad now. Um, but there isn't that kind of presence on the left. Even Luke Shaw... Um, well, actually, that's not true. Daily Blind is a very good crosser, but he clearly hasn't got quite the athleticism that Mourinho's probably looking for as a first-choice left-back. Um, with Luke Shaw, who everyone wants to be this this player, he's a guy that, a bit more like Kyle Walker, will get up the pitch, but he'll cross it, but he'll cut it back rather than cross it. So I think having an out-and-out winger to kind of get behind and find Lukaku's head or find Lukaku's run across the box, that's definitely probably what Mourinho thinks he's missing amongst his wingers, even though he's got something approaching that from his fullbacks. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, you'd, you'd, you would trust Martial against almost any fullback in the world at the moment in terms of taking them on, but he's not the kind of player that's going to get chalk on his boots, is he? Um, no, he's, he's going to try and get inside and have a go himself, which is yeah. which is great, but that's not always going to be the way to go about it. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, so just moving on a bit, um, we've talked about Lukaku, we've talked about um, just generally the left wing. Um, just want to talk a little bit about the general shape of the team in, in general. We've had, we've had a couple of questions in on this uh, kind of topic, and I think we can kind of encapsulate it all into one discussion. Um, Peter Porker asks, how do we squeeze Rashford, Martial and Lukaku into the same side? And uh, then Phil Matic asks, um, 
two quite different lineups slash formations so far, plus a back three in preseason. Do you think this season will see more horses for courses and using depth of squad approach, or Jose eventually settling on a first team for most games? Um, yeah, I guess it's just a general discussion, and and we should probably talk about Matic here as well. But how how do we see United lining up without signing Boris out of the fence? I think it'll be a, a, a... A mix of all of that, really. I think Mourinho will definitely have an idea of his best eleven, um, and as he has done at every club where he's won it, he'll try and play that best eleven whenever possible. However, there are going to be parts of that team that are kind of up for debate, depending on the opposition and depending on the competition as well. In some games, he's going to want a three-man midfield of of Matic, Herrera, Pogba. In some games, he's going to, you know, maybe want to bring in more, more as you said, someone like Perisic out wide. Um, but I, I think. He's going to try and play the same team as much as possible because, and I'm not trying to be negative on Mourinho again, as everyone knows, Mourinho isn't really a coach who kind of mechanises the attack and puts his system in place like guys like Klopp, uh, Guardiola, even Pochettino does. He likes to set up the team to resist the opponent, um, subdue their weakness, their, subdue their strengths, and then leave their, his attackers to get forward um, and sort out their weaknesses. We saw it when he was at Chelsea into Real Madrid, when his teams have this chemistry and this kind of um, this rhythm going together, they can be absolutely de- devastating going forward. But that's not down to him telling players which runs to make, where to do them, like guys like Van Gaal, Guardiola, and the rest do. That's from playing as the same team as often as possible, so everyone knows where everyone else is going to be, and players learn each other's runs and all the rest of it. So I think that's going to be absolutely key. Um, but. I don't think it's so much down to formation, even though I think a back four is still going to be the base of how he does it. I think a back three is just, you know, it's it's like a wild card option. You can play the same kind of football playing a 4-2-3-1 as you would a 4-3-3. It's just going to be slight tweaks into who's starting where, who's running off what. So I think that the main idea of United basically doing what they did today in West Ham is, is going to remain. He's probably going to change it for the big games because he always does, um, which I think might disappoint some people because I think, you know, people liked it in the Sir Alex Ferguson era when United would feel they could go toe-to-toe with anyone, really. Uh, hopefully, that will return, but we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of Pogba, I, I don't think he necessarily needs a three-man midfield to, to be as good as he could be. I that, think that's a- quite a common misconception, isn't it? It's I mean, it's something that I've been guilty of at times, but this notion that if we are ever to get the best out of Pogba, it needs to be a 4-3-3 with him being on the left of, of the three, kind of, I guess, harking back to his Juventus days. But I remember you and I had a bit of a Twitter exchange about it not so long ago, and, and you mentioned that it was as much about the dynamism of the players around him as, as it was about the actual tactical shape. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, formations are, are neutral, as as you know, Everyone always says it's how you play them that matters. Like a four-three-three can be as stodgy and as unuseful to Pogba as anything else. The key is the key with Pogba is having players to basically cover him, but also get ahead with him as well. Um, and I think in a really, really good four-two-three-one with the right players, with the right approach, there's no reason why you can't be unleashed in that. You have a player sitting back, you'll have players ahead of him like Lukaku running about creating space. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think I mean I, I thought Pogba was very good playing as he did against against West Ham. So. Yeah, I, I think it's it's not so much about formation, it's what those formations are trying to achieve. And I think there will be a pretty solid, consistent lineup um, as far as the core of the first team will be. There'll be a pretty consistent idea of what Mourinho and his players want to do every match. Um, it's kind of the accessories to that team that are going to change. Like, do you add another midfielder? Um, do you go for pace on the flanks or do you go for a player like Mata? Um, who do you play at left um, left uh, fullback? Do you play Daily Blind or is there a more uh, a bigger opponent to deal with? So you're going to put Darmian there. 
And I think it's those tweaks that we're going to see, but I think there's going to be a a fundamental idea of what United's core is and what their main approach is going to be. Um, and he's going to stick to that as often as possible because, they, you know, by keep coming back to this, playing it as often as possible, that's how Mourinho teams get better and that's how they become so dangerous that, you know, they, they win to the extent that we saw him winning at Chelsea, Inter and Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the golden question that everybody's kind of thinking of, and, and it's quite pertinent when you think of Matic arrival as well, but I think the question that we all kind of ask ourselves is, is how do you get the best out of Pogba? And, and my observation from last year was that he appeared to at times be far too deep, but you know, that could be a product of the, Lack of movement of the players ahead of him and the lack of I, space. I blame Ibrahimovic for that big time. I, yeah. I'm, sorry, I don't mean that in like a personal way, <laughs> but um, I just I think if you're going to have a player starting deep to bring it forward, the whole team needs to be more kind of fluid and um, just having too many kind of static points in the side, especially when you had Rooney and Ibrahimovic in the side at the same time. Where was Pogba going to go? There was nowhere in ahead of him. There was it was like positive open spaces for him to step into. Um, and do dangerous things. He ended up just wandering out into places where he wasn't really going to do any damage to anyone because there wasn't the kind of openness that you need. Whereas you've got Lukaku there going left, going right, running all across, going all over the place. You've got Rashford cut inside or Martial cut inside. You've got Mkhitaryan who's basically floating everywhere. It, just that extra movement is how Pogba's going to be allowed to kind of bring the ball forward and also have players around him to play off because that was the big thing at Juventus. So you had um, Patrice Evra running off down the left, uh, left uh, full-back um, who basically kind of played one-twos of all the time. You had guys like Marquisio and, and Perlo who were kind of backing him up um, and all the rest. And obviously Vidal, who was <laughs> kind of following up the field, um, offering you know more kind of interplay from midfield as well. Um, so I think, I think that, that that's the key to it, really. It's making sure he's not only kind of um, covered behind him, but he's got players he can play off as well in the final third. The problem with United last season was so much it was just focused always on Pogba, whereas Pogba needs to also be allowed to run off the ball as well. He can't just be this kind of um, funnel for the play because then it becomes obvious how to stop United. The whole the opposition will just focus on Pogba and then United's whole game plan is ruined because if everything goes through Pogba, you can just take out one man, the whole team's spoiled. And we saw that especially when he was paired with Fellaini as well because Fellaini is such a conservative passer compared to Herrera. He's very, very negative. He passes sideways and backwards. At the start of the season, obviously Squawker with the stats guys, we, we, we said, oh, Fellaini's averaged 90% pass completion. But as much as we, everyone mocks Pat Carrick for it, it was actually true of Fellaini. He was just passing the most safe passes possible amongst the defence. And it just piled more pressure onto Pogba to do something when he got the ball. Whereas Herrera, much more positive, much more incisive. Matic as well, underrated in his passing. Um, so having those players around him that can also help to shoulder the burden, it would just it would just free Pogba up to basically just do more by not having him just sit on the ball, be the central focus of all the possession play and just, just allow him to kind of be more free to roam around and, and do damage where he can. Yeah, I mean, um, football Twitter is, is very much at times seems to be the place where nuance came to die. But you you, you wrote a very um, good piece not so long ago about Matic and the type of player he was and the different kind of ways um, that he could be used. And, and it very much challenged the misconception I had about Matic that he was a holding midfielder and, and, and nothing else, you know, and the idea that he would be there to break up play and, and that would just be it. And, and I remember the article in question kind of likened him a little bit more to, um, 
the likes of Herrera and and that he would be more mobile and that he would be a bit more all action than than mm. expected and he would mop up a little bit more than just and and I remember one of the things you mentioned in it was you know in order to be a holding midfielder one needs to hold and and Matic, yeah. Matic isn't a player that that holds yeah. his position and um, so in. I think he could achieve the same thing that people expected when they were kind of parading that misconception around that he would come in and hold and free up Pogba. Um, I expect that he probably can free up Pogba, but maybe just not in the way people expect it. How do you see him being used this season at United? Well, it's interesting. I mean, in fact, um, one of our writers, Mohamed Bott, made, made a similar comparison to what I've been hinting at and some other pieces today with his, uh, his five things you learned from the match. Um, I think I think in some ways Matic is, is going to be the player that um, maybe not to the same calibre as he was at his peak, but similar in style to what people expected from Bastian Schweinsteiger. And ironically, they both share the same birthday and they now both share the same United shirt as well. Um, but he's this kind of um, box-to-box kind of general player um, who is, is underrated in his passing. Obviously, he's, he's six foot four, so he's, he's a pretty um, imposing presence as well. Um, and we, we saw today against West Ham, he didn't just um, sit back and intercept things. Um, he was bombing forward. He, I think he was uh, the other guy in the box in one of the goals, wasn't he? I think he was, he was right <laughs> up there. Um, and I think if you remember against that that awful game when United got beat 3-0 by Arsenal, where Schweinsteiger was all over the place, bombing forward, people going, hang on, what's happening? He was meant to be the replacement for Carrick. So I think there was a misconception of what Schweinsteiger was going to offer Man United as well. And I think they're kind of comparable uh, types of players. Um, but just, just to take it back slightly on the idea of football Twitter as the place where nuance dies... Um, on that point, I'm still a bit worried about how people are going to judge Pogba because we saw today he got his goal, but he didn't get assist because Pogba's the kind of guy that does the pass before the pass that creates the assist, if you know what I mean. He's kind of like the string puller before the string puller. So if his Twitter is the place where nuance dies, maybe that's something uh, United fans should be readying a defence for. <laughs> um, yeah. for. Maybe he should start digging into the pre-assist. Maybe that's what he needs to. Uh, to Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think it's just, it's just a product of this whole environment that absolutely everything will be measured by one or two key statistics, isn't it? And football's, football, as much as statistics and the analysis of, of the game via statistics is, is growing, it's, it's not something that you can ever fully analyze with one finite statistic or number is it because it's like you said um you know past completion for Fellaini was quite good I remember a couple of years back when people were still uh trying to hold on to the belief that Tom Cleverley could be an assertive midfield presence for United one of the things that was being talked about was his, was his past completion statistics as well but you always have to look at the context of these kind of statistics um for, for me what I enjoyed about Pogba today um was seeing him pop up in more advanced positions. I mean, at one point, I think he was to the left of the West Ham box, beating a player and going outside him, you know, and it's just kind of, those are not the kind of positions that he cropped up in last year. And, uh, you know, he's got very good timing in terms of arriving late and, and hitting shots from outside the box as well. So however it happens, for whatever reason, tactically, if he can be freed up a little bit further forward to arrive late, to not necessarily be the one making the assist but potentially the one who starts the move or gets on the end of it you know it's going to be um it's going to be good to see him what i think will be have a bit more of a more freer and enjoyable role this year i just hope we don't put too much pressure on him um cool so we're kind of coming into land a little bit in terms of uh, what we said we were going to talk about um just one other interesting question from um adam q who says flash in the pan or is this the new look manchester united team how would we say we are against City, we certainly look better than they did this weekend. How do you, how do you think United are shaping up for the season ahead? Yeah, well, um, but 
I, I, I think it's too early to say um, because, as I said, I think West Ham were underprepared and I think United were strong. But would they be that strong against the City side? I don't know. I really don't know. I've, I've, I've got City down as, as favourites to the title. Um, so I think that they're the side yeah, that United have to beat. And um, I think, I mean, OK, getting a point off of a team who you're rivals of, that's great. But I, to me, I think if you're going to win the title, you've got to beat the best, not just deny the best. So I would hope that United and Mourinho take a more positive, more ambitious approach to beating their rivals. Because I just think title wins are more satisfying when you, you fully beat your opponents rather than you're just clever and, and tiptoe around them. That's just me personally. That's just me personally. But I think for me, success for United this season is... Um, Back in the top four, but not not finishing four, finishing third or second. I think a title might be a little bit too early, um, which might disappoint some people. But you know, um, a good run in the cups, maybe win another domestic cup, would be good, um, and get into the knockout stages of Champions League, um, and that would be a good season as far as I'm concerned. That might make me sound a bit unambitious. I don't know, but um, I don't think um, it's it's necessarily a bad thing to just kind of get some stability back at the top of the game, considering how up and down the last few years have been. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would um, I would consider a comfortable top four position um that had that was pretty much decided before the last five or six games of the season. I think that would constitute significant progress, and especially if we could get into um even imagine even getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, that'd be a significant step in 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 terms of the progress. And and you you would hope as well that 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 would come via a team that was developing and improving in its on-field displays as well, wouldn't you? I mean, Mourinho's always been a, play- a manager that builds teams from the back, doesn't he? And, and you could see last year, even though there were some absolutely dour board draws and, and things like that, you could see that he was laying the foundations for, for what was to come next. And, and you kind of hope that with the arrival of the new players, maybe one more to come in, who knows? Um, I've kind of been hanging my hopes on this notion, and we've talked about on this pod before, that the arrival of Matic and and the increased defensive solidity that that type of player brings, um, along with the dynamism of Lukaku and and hopefully the improvement of Mkhitaryan and Martial this year, you will see Mourinho being a bit more confident to allow his forward players to do his thing. And as a result, we would just be better going forward. And the kind of games that we were drawing last year, we might pick up more wins from. That's kind of my hope. So, Greg, mate, I've held on to you for a lot longer than I said I would when we started this recording. <laughs> no, it's all but... good. It's all good. I think I um, had a few monologues there that might have extended the show. So um, <laughs> now, it's, it's great to have me on. Thank, thanks for thanks for inviting me on, Kev. No worries, mate. It'd be great to have you on again in the future, my man. Thank you for joining us. And uh, guys, thank you for tuning in to listen to the pod again. Um, You know, it's great to be back for the new season. Do give us a follow on Twitter. And actually, if you have time, we'd really appreciate if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us just uh, with our exposure and helps us to hopefully get a few more, new more listeners in. Um, So there we are, 4-0 and a bit of a throwback game, a victory that we've not seen for a couple of years, so it's not a bad way at all to start the season. Here's to more of it to come. Take care.